0: I do not have Ed Nelson's phone number. Hey, buddy. Welcome to the Dime Back Podcast. I am Tyler, joined tonight by Peter Bard. Still don't have anything. Okay. And Megan By. Hello! Hello! And Russ Steinberg. Hello! Hello! And Kevin Meacham. Shouts to Gallagher. <laughs> uh, no, what's up he was supposed to be our guest tonight we uh <laughs> no. pushed off recording a couple months Just, uh, a break uh i don't think the
1: watermelon
2: water works well in audio only
1: yeah
3: maybe neither neither
0: does being dead well all right russ <laughs> come on and tonight's episode of the dime By podcast is nobody sponsors us anymore
4: god why would what, they
0: can you imagine what, what, what would you be sponsoring <laughs> just like J- the idea jay timothy a podcast. has a podcast ads and escrow it's just waiting once per year they write us a check we should pick a business and just
2: promote pick them. one nintendo
4: what <laughs>
3: that was a terrible choice that was terrible that
4: was horrendous. is it?
3: i love nintendo
4: they don't need you. don't need your help. Housing.
0: Let's let's promote the Yard Goats. Rock Go the Yard goats. goats. Go to the Yard Goats game. Eat a meal at J Timothy's. Wear a home field hoodie. All the above. That's right. So, uh where would we leave off? <laughs> I think we were going to talk about uh the good Yukon
3: men's good basketball team. Team's,
4: a, teams, wagon. Good. teams, good. teams a wagon. Team's good. I got to
3: say this is the first a uh, really good
0: team we've had since I started podcasting with you guys. I mean, weren't we doing this in 2014? Maybe not. Maybe it was. I was, was you guys were. I don't we don't know know point. Point.
3: You, you brought me in and everything immediately went to shit. Oh, yeah, we've been talking adorable. about
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> Something the rest of us have noticed.
5: <laughs> <laughs> also secretly that team was not
0: what this team Shh. is.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, <laughs> let's start there. This is the best UConn team since 2009. I mean,
2: you know, it's like, it's, it's not to it's, say that now because like if this team, you know, keeps up this kind of pace and I'm not saying if they go undefeated, obviously if they go undefeated, they're the best team we've ever had. Are you worried about the historical record? Because this will be the last podcast. This season? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like. You know, it's it's tough to know like where where they're going to land. But right now, this team feels like those late '90s teams that just
3: dominated the league, and there was uh, almost almost never a game that was a that was a contest. And and it's even more than them just winning all the time. It's it's the way that they do it. It's that they're scoring a lot of points, which uh, recent UConn teams haven't necessarily done a ton of, and it's shooting the hell out of the ball. And running when you can run and running the most beautiful offense uh, when you're on a half court, like very 90s UConn vibes.
4: The wild thing is seeing like Jordan Hawkins come off a curl or a little screen. Like it, the Rip Hamilton vibes are so strong there for me. Though I would prefer, it does seem like he's trying to like channel Ray Allen, which is something I personally support just in, as a general concept but it's so wild to see like we've complained for years about how the offense was just like pick and roll and iso and there was like no actual offense and this year everyone passes there's so there's so many passes and guys who would last year have just taken the ball to the hole and you know thrown up some off-balance layup hoping to get fouled are instead like tossing a shovel pass to donovan clingan or finding an open three-point shooter and those guys can actually make their three-pointers it's fucking
2: wild. It's and. very satisfying that that the promises that Hurley made at the end of last season you know, we're going to go to a four out one in offense and and we're going to shoot and all this stuff and these it's all happening. All the guys he said were going to come back better came back better the guys he brought in have all met his crazy expectations this is like this is what I would have imagined before the season in the same way I would have imagined like myself being the head coach of uconn and winning a national champion like it's like it's like that level of like it's within my wildest dreams but like really wildest dreams
4: who on the team has exceeded your expectations the most caravan
3: Oh, no, Klingon. It's got to be Klingon. It's got to be Klingon. And I expected Klingon to be good. Like, I expected him to be better, I think, than most, like, national people were saying. But I don't think anybody could have expected him to come in and essentially play to the level of a starter. I mean, not just a starter, but, like, an elite starter. Yes. He's probably starting on 355 teams.
4: I believe that Tyler has scientifically and mathematically proven that he is better than Shaq, so...
0: You know what's funny? I'm I glad agree. people enjoyed that tweet, but like the reason I went and looked at that compass because I was watching the highlights and going like this guy looks like Shaq. Like that was what my brain did that made me go look at those numbers. The
4: it's history. wild to me, like, and I think it's kind of a testament to like how how many people were down on Klingon because he, he decided to stay at Bristol Central, didn't go to one of the prep schools or the academies. And I think it shows that like you don't need to do that. Playing AAU <laughs> ball is enough. And you don't have to, you know, t- turn your entire life into about being playing basketball. And Donovan got to, like, have a normal high school experience. Well, and for a seven-foot for, kid. For a seven-foot kid, too, who was the best player in the state and was the, you know, two-time state player of the year and won a state championship his senior year with his best friend, Victor Rosa, who is now also, like... Our star running back. I know it's I'm so happy for those kids like living out their childhood fantasies because of how many people I know growing up who had those same childhood fantasies Mm -hmm. and to like see those kids getting to be able to like live out their dreams is just it's honestly so heartwarming and beautiful and it makes me so happy but um yeah like he and now he came in and he's maybe the best freshman in the country I don't know
0: hello Chris Okada
4: Chris Okada sorry
6: I'm late I was dropping off my AP ballot (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> did, you,
4: did you have Alabama leapfrog nothing, No,
6: there's nothing. There's nothing, there's nothing I've seen. Yeah, sorry, we don't have to lean into the bid on the podcast. Um, yes, we do. <laughs> always, always. always. Yeah, that's true. I mean, look, the, the numbers don't lie, and everything you've seen from Alabama in the last seven days shows you shows you why they should be the number one team in the league, and no one's come close to topping them at all this season.
3: So, I, it's hard to disagree. I mean, it really is. It's. I wouldn't. You know, I would not dare argue with an AP voter. It's, it's actually against the law. I know. I don't want to be arrested. Yeah, exactly. Heresy. Um,
6: what I was going to say is I, the answer is obviously Klingon, but I understand the argument that that Peter was, was probably going through in his head in the sense that, like, if this was, like, we always knew that this was, I don't know, maybe we didn't, but I always knew this was a possibility that we'd get this out of Klingon, right? I, I think I care a bit because he's massive. I mean, he's a huge he's a huge freaking dude. But, like, I think the, the skill set. But the so was
2: Charles Aquandu. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, he lost I've his been... team. <laughs> Checkmate. Um, but no, I think what I was gonna say was that. But the the issue was Caravan I think his game got so many different dimensions. It's like unbelievable. I mean, the guy, you know, he, he literally can play every facet. I mean, he can shoot the three. He could take his little hole if he needs to. He plays excellent defense. I mean, uh, Caravan is. Pro- I mean, is he honestly like the most complete freshman player we've had since who? I mean, like what's What's the comp for somebody coming in first year who can dominate every aspect of the game like that?
4: Except rebounding, is it book? <laughs> it's
0: Buck. I mean, yeah, maybe. caravan but even that's... feels like more ta- more polished.
6: But book Buck also California. book didn't book didn't become book though until like January of his freshman year.
0: Book I had that no sort of like natural ability to dominate at the college level right at the gates. It was like kind of masked around, you know, weird. Team stuff and right, you know him t- taking a long time to get his feet under him. Like I remember with that game, he scored a well, bunch because he was points on a scooter. Like, yeah, <laughs> everyone was on a scooter.
4: It's only scooters.
0: Um, but yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like you look at the percentages. You're like, okay, caravan shooting like fifty percent from the field. Was it like forty? Yeah, forty percent from three. You're like, yeah, that's probably the high end expectation of what you would have thought based on what you were hearing about him as a recruit. What's nuts to me is like how good he is at being in the right place on defense and like how well he rotates and how well he passes without the ball. He's, he's always in the right place. And I think that's true of like everyone on this roster at the moment.
4: That's another cool thing about the team, And another thing we complain about a lot is how nobody used to move off the ball. Like in Prior years, it was just dudes standing around the perimeter, and everybody is constantly moving. Like you know, whether it's Sunogo or Klingon, they're flashing out to the post, setting screens. Dudes are dudes are just running all over, and I am becoming absolutely obsessed with the Klingon high uh, high post screen, like rolling into the hoop, and like it doesn't seem to matter where they put the ball. That kid can catch it and put it in the hoop.
2: That does. It is like a weirdly effective play where like they run that that roll. The guard goes up one side, and Klingon just kind of sticks his arm up, and it's like, I if I if they don't sell out to stop Klingon, mm-hmm. yeah. you and make you the to pass. To him. And if more they than do one you person, just, you just hit the layup.
4: And there I was... feel like it, it's so good with him and, and Joey California because Joey is such a three point threat, and he fucking loves to lob it to Klingon. So like that little like game between them, either Joey's got a wide open three, or he's lobbing it to Klingon, and it's money either way. But it's that's like another guy. Okay, I mean, so, like... yeah, he's another one too.
6: There was a there was a play against Florida where Joey didn't Joey threw it a little bit behind Klingon on an alley, and Klingon was so so freaking big. It look, literally looked like he grabbed it with the ends of his fingers and still completed the, the dunk. It, it was it was insane. Like you got a target like I don't know that that's I just sit on my couch clapping like a. You've got the hands of a wide stuff.
4: receiver. It's unbelievable what that it's kid can catch. Game. I'm it's amazing. I I'm, but I think you're right too, Peter. Like Joey California is another dude who like, I thought he was just going to be a spot up shooter, but his defense is really good. He's a great passer. He'll go to the hoop. Like he's, he's bringing way more to the table than I expected.
2: I I mean, he was a guy coming in. We were like, I wonder if he's going to be able to stick in the rotation. And now he's other than Klingon, the most important player coming off the bench.
3: And, and we kind we kind of got a feeling that he would be good when we were at that football game and we were talking, I th- I think it was Hurley who brought it up. Like, well, the other we were, kids, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, this guy, this guy's good. Yeah.
4: yeah they, when we were asking who the best shooter in the team was, they are like, oh, he's good to and then I was like, oh, yeah, it's Joey. It's, it's Joey. Joey. He's they the shooter. They saw the
3: vibes early. Can, can I ask a wildly inappropriate question, or will that make editing difficult? You told me you're the one All right. Uh, is Joey California the best <laughs> this team has ever had? Oh, Jesus right.
4: Nope. Nope. No. Could cut that out. No,
0: no, no, no. T- Tyler's not want. editing I'm, this. So I'm that's... Not editing this. No edits. Bro. I told you. I think you guys have gotten used to that safety net. Upload it to Spaces. That's yeah. how we get the good content. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hit play and hold it up to Spaces.
3: Oh, by the way, Cockbrenner's out again tonight, so he might be dead.
4: What's going on with Cockbrenner?
3: Uh, I think Poster Damas was in my DMs. Surprised by surprise. saying that uh, <laughs> it was, it. the rumor was it was mono.
4: Oh, that's right. Oh, that uh, the kissing disease. I heard he
3: yeah.
0: shook a few con centers. I was like, he's clearly just stuck in. Saw two games on the win. schedule and yeah. was like, I got to contract a virus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and he just started kissing everybody.
0: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what else and then, do you do in Iowa? How about Hawkins?
4: Yeah, you remember Haw- we talked earlier that, like, you know, this summer, we were all like, if Hawkins makes the leap, if Hawkins makes the leap.
2: But in our hearts, like, uh, what's he, you know, at least can he at least be like a guy who can consistently hit threes. And he's the especially Hawkins. the last few weeks looked like a guy who could be the leading scorer on a good team, like who could be a go to guy. He won't but, have to be on this team, but he there will be games where he's, you know, putting up 25, 30 points just because he can.
4: Didn't he, he set like a career record for threes against LA. He had like six three pointers, but I, I feel like the thing that's sort of like, you know, is the crystallization of this team this year is Hawk was driving to the hoop. I think it was, I think it was against LA, but it might've been against in the previous game driving. to the No, hoop, no, it was
2: in the last game. Yeah.
4: He didn't really have a good lane. And instead of just like throwing up whatever he could get, kind of lobs it over his own head over mm-hmm. to, to clean. Who's right there. Who's right there. And is like, got you, bro. And uh, just put it right in the basket.
2: Cause Megan, like, he could have gone up for a con- contested layup and maybe he makes it. Maybe. It wouldn't have been the most difficult layup I've ever seen him make, but it was just, nah, there's just a gigantic guy right there who will get an easy, quick dunk.
4: Hey man, can you put this in the basket for me?
3: Megan? I, I like that you were confusing the LIU game and the Florida game because those are two He's teams that compared to but UConn are it's... just equally good.
4: Yeah, I'm, I've got Purdue, fention, uh, Purdue fans in my mentions because I made the mistake of replying to a national reporter trying to explain why their quad one wins are like, and I'm like, bruh, our team's better than yours. Did
3: That's you tell true. them that the drum isn't that big?
4: I, I don't <laughs> imagine thinking, The drum's
3: not that big.
4: Imagine thinking I would be literate in Purdue fandom. Absolutely the fuck not. I couldn't care less. But most importantly, their team's not a wagon. UConn's Just another wagon.
1: school
6: trying to steal space from UConn.
2: Zach Eady is Big. The drum big. is not. Zachy is definitely bigger than that drum. It oh, yeah.
6: Oh, there's the no big. question. It's, it's actually a tambourine for him.
2: They should use <laughs> yeah, <as> the drum.
4: <laughs> but I think it's so funny that they have to go to like it's the number of this. And I, you know, like, look, do they have a good resume? They do, but Produced are good. they saying their team's a wagon? Oh well, yeah. No. I mean they uh,
2: beat the crap out of Duke, no. they beat the crap out of Gonzaga. Those are those are really nice wins.
4: Right. Honestly, I,
3: I'd say up until the last few days that uh, you know Purdue's resume was pretty distinctly better than UConn's, and then Alabama beat Houston, uh, knocking off number one team for the second time this season, and all of a sudden that win looks a whole lot better for UConn, and suddenly they have the best win. And also,
4: I think, I, saw, I think it was on Reddit that was it was a it was a Bama fan who was like, "We're good," and they whooped us.
2: Yes, I saw that on Reddit.
3: Yes. Also, I think that Iowa State win by the end of the season is going to look better than it does now. I think that's a really good team. I
4: agree.
3: I also think
6: Florida is going to get
3: it together at some point, too. I hope so. I mean, for UConn's sake, obviously.
4: But Florida's you know, got some guys. Because UConn really did. It's not like they intentionally, like, yeah, there's a bunch of cupcakes on there, which you kind of needed considering how many new players there were on the team this year. Mm-hmm. But they were going to PK5. Florida was supposed to be a good team. Like, Oklahoma state, like there were a bunch of games on the schedule that should have been better for our resume, but like UNC being pissed and, you know, not being able to give us a game and like Oregon being garbage. Like though, I think Oregon might end up being better, but we'll see how that goes.
2: They're in the top 40. i Palm now. They yeah. Up.
4: So I, you know, it just, it, it's not like UConn like, it's not like one of these teams that had an absolutely embarrassing non-con that they blew through like, it, you know, they we schedule good teams or teams that should good programs, you can say. Um
3: Yeah, the the thing that kind of sucks about UConn's resume is that the bye games were all really bad. And that's really brought down Yukon's strength of schedule number. And I don't know how much of an effect that's going to have, but I could see like some dinosaurs in the committee room looking okay. at that number more than they look at why that number came to be and realizing that, you know, this team played five power conference teams in a row and beat them all by double digits.
4: I think it's also important to remember that the nerds we for the best team in the country. Yeah. And yeah. In this, and the
3: nerd is always
4: right. The nerd is absolutely correct.
3: Except when I disagree.
4: That's right. I'd
6: care a little more about the criticism of our schedule. If we weren't beating the absolute crap out of every single person,
0: absolutely. every single time we played. So we were
4: LIU. And if we had not scored a single second half point, we still would have won that game.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like, it's hard to... I'm just so disinterested in the resume talk after watching this team just fucking dominate on every possible level. And it's like...
3: Well, if they never lose, the resume doesn't
0: fucking matter. Exactly.
4: I think you can sort of tell from the EP voting like who's actually watched UConn play. Like we were talking about this with the the Titus and Tate podcast, where those guys are like, "All right, I'm going to go watch UConn and talk myself into them being the best team in the country." And after the game, we're like, "Okay, I got to talk myself out of it because they absolutely look like the best team in the country." And I hate to be like that old man, like I uh, test nonsense, but like it's hard to watch this team and not think I don't know who can beat them.
0: I mean, the I test is a component. A, same reaction, yes.
3: yeah. Like you, you know, different people value the eye test differently but it matters and the good part is that the eye test usually manifests itself in the analytics and here it is because maybe UConn doesn't have the best collection of wins in the country but they've looked really good doing it and as a result are blowing everybody out
4: can we talk about Andre Jackson doing the dumbest most absurd shit I've ever seen in my life. A truly outstanding basketball play from a skilled basketball player.
3: Uh my esteemed boss uh came up to me today and shout out Kitty brought up that play. He's like, who was that player? And is he any good? And Can that I steal ridiculous. his blood. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and
3: I said that's Andre Jackson. And yes, he is awesome. And he's gonna make a lot of money one day.
0: Did you see the post game quote from Hurley the other day when they he said like, "Well, what is like the thing that makes this team so good?" And he just goes, "Andre Jackson,
4: yeah, Andre Jackson is the best on ball defender in the country, and I will absolutely go to war with anyone who disagrees with me about that."
0: I think he's the best defender in the country.
4: Full stop. It's it's entirely possible because he can also also block shots. Yeah,
3: he's great at getting in passing lanes. He can score zero points and clearly be the best player on the floor he did that almost that a couple of weeks ago yeah
4: that move of picking that dude's pocket the double behind the back spin move dunk like like I've seen Scotty Burrell play, and I think Andre Jackson's the best athlete I've ever seen in person.
3: Like, as that play was unfolding for like the first two or three seconds, I was thinking I'm about to see the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life, and then I did, but it was dumb in a completely different way.
4: It was it was unfolding directly in front of me because I was at that game with Bard Mom, and we, yeah, were, sitting, Bard Mom. we were sitting like, you know, in uh, uppercase of seats, which are like behind the bench, but just, like, the bottom of the upper level. And it started happening, like, right in front of us. And I, like, am standing up as it's going, going, oh, my God! I literally yelled, like, holy shit, Andre! Because it was, like, I... I, I it's I how John
3: think Fanta reacted.
4: John Fanta yeah, Aaron, John, they
3: had the right reaction. Yeah.
4: Everyone was on their feet and just screaming. And, like, it's so funny, too, because I was telling my mom, I'm like, this is going to be a blowout, but, like, also, blowouts are so fun.
2: I love blowout they're wins. Awesome. Yeah, that's, They're, they're awesome. the best.
6: Aaron Jones tweeting it was the greatest basketball play he's ever seen live. Packers running back in the
3: house.
4: Yeah, who's Tristan Newton's cousin? Apparently, <laughs> yeah. who knew? U- UConn grad
3: as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes.
4: Yeah, that's correct.
3: He took, he took us to the Fiesta Bowl.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: <laughs> Which time? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <I was> <laughs>
1: <say. laughs> <A> second.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you guys this question because this is what I keep thinking about. You know, like we have not seen this team play a bad game what does a bad game look like for this team like if they lose in the next you know 7 8 games what is that game going to look like why are they going to lose foul trouble and poor shooting can sink anybody That'd like it has to be a foul. combination of bad things right like either yeah. somebody gets injured and foul trouble or everyone gets cold from three and foul trouble or
4: I, yeah, I mean that, this kind of runs through that old joke like how do you beat them in, in their sleep with a bat like it's it's going to have to be one of those happen. situations. Well
3: I th- I think we've seen bad stretches from this team. We haven't seen even so much as a bad half, I don't think. And I had half. a bad half against Alabama. That, well, oh, uh, it was like the middle half of the game. Yeah. I'm uh, going
6: to say that the refs did a very good job of getting Bama back in that game.
4: I'll and always
3: blame the
6: refs.
4: That's always it. blame the refs. In this,
6: in, in this case, though, I'm right.
3: In the stretches where the team hasn't played well, and I'm thinking specifically that like one stretch against Florida, um, they sped up a little bit too much, didn't think quite enough on offense, and made a lot of really dumb plays. And it was the turnovers. Because if this team gets a shot off there's a good chance it's going in. Because a their shot selection is really fucking good, and b they're all really good shooters, and c if they don't have a an open look from outside, they've got a seven foot beast inside who can score pretty much at will. So it's really it's when they turn the ball over too much uh, that I think they start to get into some trouble.
4: You know the wild thing about Klingon, in addition to like the soft hands, and the great footwork, and all the other things, he doesn't foul. Like what you would expect an enormous freshman. I think to foul. that's the most
3: surprising part to make. Mm-hmm. He's because...
4: so patient in the post. Like when he's in the low block and someone's trying to dance in front of him and get him to bite on a shot, he just doesn't bite. He just stands there and waits for him to do something, and they either throw it up, you know, throw the ball into his hands, or they have to pass it out because he just he does not bite. The
5: thing and about he, Kling, the thing about Klingon is that like he is he has the defensive instincts and the reach and like the physical presence of Hashim Thabit. And he gives you something on offense. That's astounding. Because like Thabeet, at even by the time he was a, a junior and getting triple doubles, like he never had the hands that Klingon had. He never, he, you know, he had the similar rebounding instincts. You also had through, terrible
2: uh, instincts generally on offense.
5: Correct. So th- to to have Klingon like be um, like that that presence, he he changes the gravity of the court every time he's on the floor. Because God, you don't have to stay in front of your man. Because what are they going to do when they get near playing He's going to block it. It happened like five times against, the Florida, uh, against Florida. And you could just see guys start to realize you have to completely change the way you play. That's such an advantage.
4: You know, especially having him and Andre Jackson on the floor. Because Andre loves to go and like you know, try and snipe the ball or snipe a pass. And like, if he gets, sometimes he gets it and he gets a fast break and a dunk. And sometimes he doesn't, but a, he can recover super fast. And B there's a seven foot two monster standing right behind him, ready to, to, you know, get right in the way. And it's the other thing I really like about Klingon. And I swear, I will talk about someone else at some point is how much he talks, especially when they're on defense. Like he's directing people, he's talking to everybody. Like he plays with so much confidence for a freshman, like it's wild to me how mature he is for an 18 year old. He's not going to be 19 until February. He did a
2: great Gator chomp.
4: I love the Gator chomp that kid. Imagine looking at Donovan clean and telling him you're t- too small. And then Donovan ate his lunch for the rest of the game.
6: That guy was never seen again after that.
4: I think He had like three points and three rebounds in the game or that something pathetic
0: or like that. <laughs> <laughs> I would say clinging like, uh, He seems more comfortable with being a very tall dude than most like giant centers that we've seen. Like, it feels like they have to kind of learn that they can't just play basketball in college because everyone else is fast and athletic. So they always try to dribble. They always try to get in spaces they can't get to. And Klingon is just like, I'm going to stand here perfectly vertical on offense and defense and any ball that comes anywhere near me i'm either going to swat it to shit or put it right over the rim in the basket like he never brings the ball down he never dribbles
2: no well he, he did have that foul. they gave him the ball on the on the elbow against LIU and he took a dribble went to the hoop
0: and hit a layup but you know like he plays within himself i think the whole team does in a way that is just like i one of the things that i just keep coming back to is like no one is reaching like they're all doing the same things. They're all trying to get the best shot. They're all trying to like get clean entry passes. They're all trying to move the defense. They're all working towards the same thing, especially with like a guy like Hawkins or Sunogo. Even last year, I think we were watching them get shots when they could, because they did not think they were going to get more shots. And this year it is such a change it really blows my mind. I I really can't believe how fast all of this stuff changed in one off season,
4: and how fast this team has gelled. Because we haven't even talked about it yet. But between Newton, there's like six Elite, new players, Diara, There's so many new dudes. We've graduated like most of our offense, and these and and you know Andre has talked about this about you know the guys leaving and he you know he talks some shit and I I love it I love it because they have come in and absolutely backed it up with how they've played and the guys who he's they said it the guys who are here want to be here they want to win they don't care about their individual stats and you can absolutely see it in how they play
0: it is wild how like you look at all the four guys who left yeah and you could find like you you don't have to look hard to see the role that they would have fit especially Mm -hmm. a guy like a cook who with johnson out i mean a cook had a clear path to start on this team and he's having a okay year at georgetown but it's like they don't miss any of them at all. No. and like The it, fact that the other three aren't really playing much. Right? Gaffney's, Gaffney's, playing. Playing, an okay Gaffney's playing. like he's He might be better than Diara, you know, but, like, would you trade him for Diara right no. now? I wouldn't fuck up the vibes for Jalen Gaffney.
4: No. And I the trust other thing Diara like,
0: more than Gaffney.
4: Sand I would rather
0: have him with the ball in his hands. Yeah.
4: The other thing, too, is, like, you would expect a team that's new to not have the like every single switch down have that defense be like running like a well-oiled machine especially a team that plays like a pressure defense often runs a full court press like everyone knows where everyone is they know where they're supposed to go when someone moves like everyone knows exactly what their job is at all times and is just doing it and like that's usually something you would see with a team that's been playing together for 2 years and these guys have been playing together for just a couple of months and they don't look it at all
3: I this think, team has such good vibes. Yeah, the vibes are yeah. immaculate. It's the best. It's definitely the best vibe team since the 2011 tournament run. I don't know if the vibes were ever this good, even in 2014.
4: I don't think they were ever this good in 2014. <laughs> at I, I, the, like... end. Well, yeah, the,
3: at
2: the end. Well, yeah, after they won the championship, the vibes were great. And that yeah. Detroit game, when we beat the shit out of Detroit, I, the vibes were very good that night. Vibes and MSG I felt very good. good about that
3: because I cried when they lost to Detroit in the NIT. So that was a personal revenge game.
0: Is that the Quran year? Was that 01? Quran's first year, yeah. Mm. Um, so, it, to your point, Megan, about how well this team is gelled, I'd really keep coming back to I'm, I, I have no way of knowing this because I don't know enough about the other teams, but I'm confident saying it nonetheless that UConn has the best coaching staff in the country. 100%. Nope. Honestly, until today,
3: I would have said it's Texas.
4: <laughs> oh, God.
3: Seriously, though, look, look at their staff. And like, no. their Dobo was a successful head coach. No, Russ, I will not.
4: I will all not right. do that. I will not be I doing mean, that. I
3: mean, Kamani Young is
6: an all time winning record against Jay Wright. That's true.
4: <laughs> we'll always have time.
3: that.
4: Tom Moore is the best offensive rebounding coach in the history of college basketball.
3: Hard to disagree.
4: You
5: can't. Yeah, so. Oh. Every single every single coach is going to be at UMass next year. It's going to be uh, quite a quite a spark for the Minutemen. Should be good,
3: <laughs> including Dan Hurley.
5: Well, he's Did you Adrian guys happen
4: to see Stefan Castle's mom tweeted something about you know people ask me why I you know why Dan Hurley why am I sending him so far away and she said because he's a better person than he is a coach. And you can see how good of a coach he is. And now I'm sure it's not just because they had his grandma there at the O visit, but like whatever that man is doing, he's he's convinced people and he's getting the buy in from his players.
3: When we were on spaces, Megan, Bill Klingon basically said the same thing to us. Yeah. Like he uh, he said, you know, Donovan always wanted to go to UConn, but his dad made him go through the whole process and go on official visits elsewhere. And Michigan was really going after him hard. And so I asked like, so what, what was the difference? Why did it end up being UConn? It's like Dan Hurley. That was it.
6: Well, I think it says yeah. a lot about Hurley that, you know, I mean, like the way he treated all these guys and, you know, he didn't run them off. Even the guys that transferred in the last year, I mean, like he's not shitting on them out the door. He's not kicking them when they're down. I mean, this is a yeah, guy Let's Andre
2: Jackson do it. That's
3: yeah. right. Well, that shows he didn't run them off, though, because right. Jackson was talking shit.
6: Right. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, like he he clearly cares about his guys, and I think, yeah,
5: it's it's, it's obvious. The the, the most uh, encouraging thing about this off is that it's very clear that Hurley can identify the guys who can play the system he wants. Like I think I think that's the secret behind why the defense looks so good. And how you know how organized it looks is because he's found guys who are maniacs who are going to execute and going to run and going to do exactly what they want to do. So I, I think that's first and foremost what's the best about it for me.
2: Yeah, and when when you know when the tra- transfer portal was heating up and there were guys, I was like, oh, I want this guy, I want that guy, and he doesn't seem at all interested. And I'm like, what the fuck is the deal here? Like, why aren't you going after like these obviously talented players? And now you think like, oh, it's because. He's looking for a very specific skill set because this is like, this defense requires like total buy in from everybody because you're constantly going to be recovering for, you know, the aggressive play someone else is making. And if you don't have everybody out there busting their butts, you're, there's going to be, someone's going to be wide open from the guy who gets lost. And, you know, it, when we can rotate through nine guys and keep that defense working. It means like he picked his guys very carefully. And again, like the offense, like coming out of that, like being able to play defense into offense and actually doing it and running and everyone gets up the court and they find the open guys and the transition game, you know, the way that plays into the shooting ever, all of the pieces are just fitting together so much better than like, than I can ever remember it happening. I mean, again, going back like the nineties,
4: And this kind of goes back to what you were asking, Tyler. Like, what do you do to beat this team? And, like, you know, a lot of years you see a team that's got a really high-powered offense. And, like, oh, if they go cold, they might lose. Or a team that, you know, their offense is great, but they play a great defense, so they're going to be in a lot of rock fights. Like, even if UConn's offense goes cold, they can win a rock fight. They can absolutely win any rock fights they happen to get into. And, like, you know, Peter was talking about the transition game. It reminded me of when we were doing these like retro casting or watching some of those early 90s games where dudes, as soon as the ball was coming off for him, somebody was hauling ass down the court. And like you've got Andre Jackson who can both get up the court absurdly fast or make a you know spot on path three quarters down the court. Like you, this team can run with anybody, they're just they're athlete after athlete, and a bunch of dudes who are super skilled too. Like it's just like, the perfect roster construction around your most talented pieces. And, like, it, 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 I, I, it's just making me, I'm so crazy about this team. I'm, like, losing there my was
2: mind. A, there was a fast break in the last game where, where you saw Calcaterra was kind of out ahead, and you just see him kind of drift off to the that spot he loves to shoot from and just wait, here comes the pass, and then...
4: Or, right the, or, the, or the or the fast break where it's Diara out front and Donovan Klingon is hauling ass behind him. He so Diara misses the layup and Donovan is right there to play cleanup. Just to,
2: easy put back.
4: Puts right back in. It's like this, man, team, the- this team
6: plays at hundred miles an hour. And like I feel like from the the moment we heard Hurley got was uh, it's, from the moment a dime back broke the Hurley hire. Ah. I, I feel like all we heard about was how insane Hurley's practices are and how hard that he pushes them. And I kind of feel like this is the first team he's had that you look at them and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. This is like, this is reflective of like an insane hurley practice because this team just never stops. I mean, they're relentless on both sides of the ball. I mean, you got Adama Sunogo going coast to coast on back-to-back possessions. That's I mean,
1: the craziest
5: shit. I love
2: shit. These that. guys can run. It's crazy. And it's that's crazy. that was not even the crazy shit that happened in that game. Right. <laughs> no.
5: It's kind of wild that it took half an hour for literally the third or fourth best player in the country at at worst to get brought up like Adama Sanogo, we haven't even talked about him. He is world a, a world better than he was last year. He's, he's added also a three point shot. out
4: of the post
5: he's passing more, he's got better post moves, he's shooting threes, defending the high pick and roll absurdly well. yeah <laughs> he, he's Isaiah Whaley, but like yeah. with all also, the other stuff that Sonogo had previously.
3: I think it was Sam Vecini who did that whole breakdown of UConn's defense a couple weeks fun. ago. And he was showing specifically how UConn defends the pick and roll and how good Sunogo and UConn's guards are at it because they'll go over the top on those screens so that the big guy doesn't have to come up too much. And Sunogo has to make maybe two or three steps to get back to his spot in the lane, as opposed to getting caught completely out of position and giving up a layup. Like you kind has that down to a science.
0: It's it's getting similar on offense, too, where it's like last year it was they were had to work so hard to get the ball into him, and he would always get the ball in a terrible position and right. have to go try to play make. And now he is just getting so many cleaner looks. What's his field goal? It's gotta be way higher this year, imagine. Um but it's it's again, it's like him realizing like, oh, they're just gonna get me a better shot. If I'm out of position or have a bad look, I just need to give the ball to someone else. And the next time down, I'm gonna get a clean shot again. Like and, and that's twenty two percent from the floor, by the way. Sixty-six percent from two.
4: How happy he looks when he like gets the ball in the post and then like the defense collapses around him, and then he finds that wide open, like Carabin or Joey California. He just looks so happy because he's like, Oh, they're just gonna make that shot. They're just gonna make it through the The no one problem. where
2: he he gave it to, I think it was Calcaterra. Yeah. And he immediately sees just the ball in and just like this is yeah. going in. I'm yeah.
4: not even going tr- to try to rebound. rebound. It's,
0: it's going in. I'm going back. I'm going back on defense. One, uh I guess this is, this is jumping back, but a funny uh I was, I was listening to the Hurley post game the other day and somebody was asking him how, why Klingon is so good. And he was telling an anecdote and he was like, you know, the thing about Klingon like he wants to be in the gym and he would go before school to work out with his coach at like 6 a.m. and then you hear and then Hurley goes, yeah, we were there. <laughs> it was like, Hurley was at the Bristol Central Gym at 6 a.m. to watch Donovan play and do <laughs> full believe And I was like, you two I, deserve each other. I 100% <laughs> believe that.
4: You know, Russ, we were talking about um, we were talking about that thread made me think about something that I've really been enjoying this season is having all of the national media talking about UConn again and the wagon that this team is mm-hmm. like, I really like when we were in the wastelands of the AAC and everyone was like, yeah, they're in the AC, like they don't matter anymore. And granted, we were bad for like several of those years. But even when we were like getting good, you were constantly hearing the same old nonsense about the team that just wasn't applicable anymore. And you could tell people were not watching and not paying attention because they were just trotting out the same old tired lines. And like, now they're like, A, this seems really good, so I'm watching them, and B, they're terrified of UConn Twitter, who will absolutely mercilessly mock them if they say something stupid about UConn. But it's just so much fun to like turn on a pod, a national podcast about college basketball, and like the top story, the top thing they're talking about is, yeah, UConn's a wagon, huh?
3: I I know that you shouldn't use Twitter to be like representative of the entire world around you, but I'm going to do that. I feel like UConn is starting to get the reputation as a fan base of being one that is completely unhinged Correct. and Good. probably bigger in numbers than it actually is.
4: Cause we're so Good. absolutely, because loud we're obnoxious. so
3: obnoxious
4: look this and it's going to get so much worse.
6: I'm sorry, but this is a fan base that for the last decade has been kicked in the teeth. Literally That's every thing. chance we like any, literally anything that could possibly have gone wrong to this athletic department in the last 10 years has gone wrong. And there have been no shortage of people, national media, other fan bases that have really taken a lot of joy in uh, in how far we've fallen. So I don't care. I want people need to keep tweeting. Just just keep tweeting. Yep. Don't stop.
3: And, and that's the reason why I get so mad when Louisville fans act like they they are the most wronged fan base in the history of the world. Like, no, your team sucks this year. You're still in the ACC and you're still Louisville. You're gonna be fine eventually. You're like that was not a guarantee college. for us.
4: No. The other reason I know that UConn is really, really good this year is because Kentucky fans are triggered out of their minds right now. They all Triggering Kentucky and Duke fans is the best. They're all so they're so scared. They're like just I mean losing their minds right now, which I will never, ever, ever not take joy in the blue bloods' just total terror of a good UConn team.
3: Somebody with a better memory, tell me. But I think Kentucky is the only team UConn's beaten three times in the tournament.
0: Sounds yeah. right. I think so. We're not yeah. editing and we're not stopping the fact checks. So yeah, we're just going to go with right. the only team. That's, right. that's correct. What's yeah, we are there worst one uh, there. You know, like I feel like the the obnoxious UConn uh, online people are actually the diehards that have been around for this entire span. Mm-hmm. What should really scare people is there are like tens of thousands of people out there who have been casually paying attention who are now coming back into the fold. I don't know about you, but like people who have never talked to me about UConn basketball want to talk to me about UConn basketball now, and like these are people who are probably. Locked in in like two thousand six, mm-hmm. two thousand nine, and checked out during the AAC years. So like, it's only going to get more obnoxious if this team is good. And they have nope. a top five recruiting class. This is going to be a tough couple of years.
3: And those people are scary because they're like the least informed, but also have like the craziest opinions. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm, I'm welcoming them back.
6: That's good, Tyler. What you just said also is going to be something that's super fun. Is if this team continues to just blow teams out, soon we're gonna hear people say, Oh, and they have a top five recruiting class coming in next year.
4: Oh, yeah, right. There's that too. Are
3: are you ready to spend an entire summer as the presumptive preseason number one team? Yes. Because that is extremely possible.
4: Russ, Russ, talk dirty to me. I mean,
3: okay, well, let's say (laughs) this I'm going. We're not editing. (laughs) If this team goes the joke took like three second seconds weekend.
4: too long for you guys to laugh, but it's fine. This
3: team makes a second weekend. I was laughing at Russ's awkward response.
4: <laughs> yeah,
3: to be clear. Okay. Just, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh, no, that was me being so excited about the future of this team that I couldn't form words. I'm just saying if this team makes a second weekend and people stick around, bring in that top five recruiting class. I think UConn is very... Clearly, a top team for next year. And we get to coast off of that the entire offseason when there's no real news once the coaching carousel and transfer portal die down. No one has anything else to talk about except, hey, this team might be the best in the country. Like we could enjoy that for months while the Yankees like slowly fade in August and September.
4: I'm really looking forward to uh, winning a national championship and then again being the presumptive favorite to win a national championship. Seems like a good time. We should do that.
3: Real Yukon women's vibes. I like it. Or 1999
0: vibes. Uh, I I have radical opinions that most of these guys are coming back next year. I support that. I think Hawkins Ooh. is probably gone. I'm not sure. if I Gore Jackson are gone. Yeah. Well, who I, else
6: is Dredge Who else is done? Joey California is done. I know that.
0: He's done. I think that's, that's the, the only can one. Is not Newton done? Yeah. Everybody yeah, else I has another, Newton, year, another got, year. He's got another.
4: He's got year. has got the COVID year, I guess. Right. Yeah. If you he, and a, he and he and yeah, both,
0: I think. I don't expect him back. That's just a gut feeling, though.
4: I got to say, Newton, as a player, what I was not expecting from him was him to be such a free-throw machine. My dude gets to the free-throw line like with an unbelievable amount of efficiency. And we already talked about the fact the dude had a triple-double this season.
0: He's a strange player in a way that I do find enjoyable.
4: He's well, a he's, solid ball handler. I have to give him credit there t- as well.
0: He's like another data
3: point in my belief that UConn's offense is fail-proof because you can take any one part of this out and still be okay. Like, if UConn's not shooting the ball well, they can look inside to Snowgo and Klingen. If they're being taken out of the game for whatever reason, give the ball to Newton, and he'll get to the line. And there have been a couple of times where
2: the offense stalls for a few plays in a row, and Newton just kind of throws himself at somebody and gets a whistle. Right. Mm great do that and and think about like how useful that's gonna you know trying to trying to you've got a the narrow lead late you're trying to use a lot of clock you run it down to like four seconds and then he gets fouled and makes both free
3: throws how I think how demoralizing that is as the team trying to chase a lead i think Kemba's the last player i could remember who was that good at doing that yeah, yeah. And i don't even think he was that good at it
0: it's funny because i feel like you watch Newton and it, like on this team, it looks like he's playing at almost like 80% speed. Like he just doesn't quite fit. But then, like you said, he does things like that. Like, I don't know, seeing the scoring numbers and not really watching him play much before we heard he was coming in. I kind of thought he would be a little bit more like explosive. Like he, and he's a little bit more methodical.
3: But you could see why he would be the leading scorer on a bad Absolutely. team.
2: Yeah. He does have a very like old man YMCA
3: game
0: a a little bit. And, you know, I think a lot of, I forget what game that was in uh, Portland, but like there was one where he had like a bunch of turnovers while they were kind of trying to just run the game out and kill clock at the end. But also it kind of felt like at any point, if he wanted to, he could just turn that into a foul and get two foul shots. So like that, it's one of the reasons I also feel like if you really needed somebody to take care of the ball, you'd probably put it in Andre's hands. At the end of
4: the game. But then you've got Newton new who hits 90% from the free throw line. So like I'm, I'm giving him the ball at the end. Wow. This, this
0: is why I'm not concerned about the turnovers, I guess,
4: or whatever he's saying these days. What, I
0: don't even remember. Would you
3: maybe even give it to Hawkins? Cause he's shown that he can create yeah. this year too. He's not just a shooter anymore.
0: I, he's I yeah. 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 I mean, you if probably I Andre, option with Hawkins, you know, but well, I don't think I would. I think I'd still go Jackson. But, we have a lot of really good free throw shooters. Yeah, this is a yeah. Really Joey California
4: 100%. hits all his free throws too, I believe.
2: So we've got Andre's good too. Aline is at eight fifty seven. Calcaterra at eight twenty four. Sonogo at eight eighty one percent. Newton, Newton at eight oh four. That's four guys above eighty percent. Hawkins and Caravan both at seven ninety two, and Jackson at seventy five percent. So Jackson is our seventh best free throw shooter, and he hits seventy five percent.
3: That's very twenty fourteen ask.
0: This is the thing. It's like we talked about even in like those bad stretches, like what was the biggest run they gave up? 6-0? Have they given up an 8-0 run all year?
1: That's a good point.
6: uh, I think they came close to double digits against Bama at one point in PK.
0: Bama
3: made that ridiculous comeback. But even then, I felt like we got a bucket. We just couldn't get stops.
0: This is the thing because it felt like, you know, last year they could – they could turn every game into a rock fight, right? Like, they could defend and rebound their way to stay in every game and stop teams from running away from them, even when they would struggle to score for, like, 10 minutes at a time. This year, it's, like, similar vibes where I don't think anyone... They're, like, they're not giving up 10-0 runs, but they can get 10-0 runs every game.
2: And they also... They respond well. Like, it, I mean, I think it was Meech said that we shoot like 90% on shots when a team has gotten within one possession. Like if it, yeah. there was that stretch against Bama where like several times it felt like, oh, they're so close to just like pulling the momentum their way. And then we'd go down and hit a shot uh-huh. and eventually they stopped hitting their shots. And then we just ran away with it. Like we can weather like a great team playing really well and keep even with that until they wear out a little bit and then just run them over.
4: The other wild thing is I think this team is still getting better. Like every game, I think they're better than the last game. Like the what they did to Florida, that's illegal in at least seven states. Like the, they, the way they just went to that gym and they were getting booed. They're getting booed on the way in. And, and they, then, loved it. they loved it. And they it. ate it up. And I like it's – you know, we talk about how Hurley is just like this maniac and it's absolutely perfect for this fan base. This team, they're also made up of maniacs. They talked about after that Florida game – Jordan and Andre were talking about one defensive possession where they let their player get off uh, the one one three point shot in the that entire missed. game that missed, and they were like mad about it. They were mad that that had happened. I'm like, you absolute maniac. That's why you're. You.
2: That's why you're you, and we're us.
4: Yeah. Well, I
6: think some reporter asked Hawkins after a game, like, um, "Would you guys? You guys played really good defense." And I think Hawkins gave him a. You think that was good? I love that so
4: much. You you beat them by 20 points. Just absolutely embarrassed and humiliated them in their own gym. I also
0: also love before the LIU game after this, Hurley was like uh, that we just had the the hardest practice we've ever had. It was basically like it since my first year here, this was the hardest practice because we just beat Florida and uh, I do not want them feeling comfortable at all. So I just beat the shit out of them in practice.
6: I thought I you were referring so. to the LAU game as the hardest practice they've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> no, that
0: was not hard. No, part. that
6: was not the hardest
0: practice. That was light work. That was a, that was this scrimmage.
4: I have to say, one of the loudest moments in that game is when uh, young Andrew Hurley uh, managed to snipe a pass and take it to the hole to on coast. a fast break. Everyone lost their shit, and well, you know, better well, better for came the in
0: like the most UConn way of jumping the passing lane.
4: Yeah, yeah
0: taking tips from andre God,
4: they just they all play so hard they are at 100 for 40 minutes which is another kind of thing that reminds me of those calhoun teams like you know i know we do this all the time like compare them to calhoun but like the energy of this team the style of play the level of athleticism it's so similar to those 90s calhoun teams that were so fun to watch. And I think that's like the best thing about the season. It's like, yeah, they're good and they're beating the pants off of everybody and that's so fun. But like the team is so much fun to watch play. Like this isn't like watching Virginia where they're going to like score 57 points and beat a team that scores 54 points. Like this team's going to score 85 points and beat somebody by 20. And like, it's just, they're so, so, so good at what they do and it's so fun to watch.
2: I find the Hurley-Calhoun Personality comps very amusing because they have like their personalities like have a similar effect. There's a Venn
1: diagram. They
2: have different personalities. They're kind of two sides of the same coin, in the same way that New England and New Jersey are two sides of the same coin. That is so true. Just a lot of like general derangement, but like there's like a killer instinct there.
4: Calhoun is the Massachusetts-flavored version of it, and Hurley is the New Jersey flavor. But it's very similar. But both maniacs. Absolute fucking maniacs.
3: Are we worried that Creighton is dog shit?
4: I am a little I think bit well
3: worried,
4: I think that's a, a
3: thing. They're just definitively dog shit at this point.
4: It would be nice if the entire Big East besides Yukon was not dog shit. This year, I don't we care. care.
3: Uh,
5: that was
2: very well, good. Yeah, well, yeah I, this year it was, uh, I I would be fine going undefeated and just winning every
3: game. That would be Can you imagine?
4: Can you imagine if we went we, undefeated?
3: We would really never shut up in the American.
4: Oh my God! UConn fans would be the most obnoxious people for the rest of time.
2: No escalators would have to have like a new bit. Like, did you know that in twenty twenty three?
3: No, we we will never have a new bit. No. <laughs> they retired their new bits seven years ago.
6: <laughs> Only old bits. bit. Oh, the, the football bit this fall was pretty good.
4: <laughs> H, I feel so bad for you having to be in the same mentions with uppercase who's just constantly just stirring up nonsense with his negativity and naysaying.
2: Do you like, know the the gif where the guy throws the cinder block into the dryer as it's running
4: <laughs> and then it just <laughs> fucking explodes everywhere?
1: That's
2: kind of like what I think of, of uppercase like on Twitter. Big rock.
5: Except that <laughs> it, that Meach is, is is stuck Here's in the, the dryer. dryer. <laughs> I'd
1: like
5: I'd like to say for the record that Jim Mora is good uh, mm-hmm. and Yukon football is good correct and, um there is not someone uh with a gun off camera <laughs> pointing it at me right now <laughs> I, the, the look to the side there was a, nice I mean, touch. You're doing a
4: great visual <laughs> bit Meech, and I'm sorry that no one else can see it besides us
5: I, I'm not I'm not trying to entertain the people
4: just us just your friends
6: if getting back to the to the big East really quick I I, I think the league's fine my, my I think what ha, what ha, what we're seeing here is the teams that are actually good were were not recognize the beginning of the season as being so. Like people thought Marquette. that. Cra- yeah, like Marquette's good. Xavier's good. I mean, you know, <laughs> Xavier.
4: Charles Xavier I, University. I, I, mean, it, I, like,
3: I did the
0: exact same thing, they, and I got scolded on this podcast. They
3: and prefer. Now- they prefer Xavier. Xavier. That's what they. That's uh-huh. what they like. They
4: love we it when they call love him it. Xavier. Charles
3: Xavier School for the game yeah.
5: <laughs> Okay, so Xavier, they're they're good.
6: Yeah, Marquette's good. I'm sure there's got to be. There's nobody corner. else who's
2: re- who's very good though. Like, there's not right. another top fifteen team in this league. No.
4: Yeah, like you I think really, St. John's
3: is pretty good. I'm not going to lie; uh, they're not top fifteen, uh, but I think they're good. I know they got pasted against Iowa State. Like, I, I've watched that team. They, they, they're not bad. I wouldn't be surprised if they make the tournament.
4: They're not. I mean, bad. they are
3: ten and one.
4: I do look forward to pacing them at both of our home games against them. I don't uh, know. They I'd, gave
3: us problems last year. They're as good
4: as Carbello is. I think it's funny that they continue to schedule two home games for us when we play St. John's. I think that's
3: hilarious. I like it.
4: I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but, you know, it's a choice.
3: They should continue to do that, in my opinion. If
2: they win half of their league games, they'll win 20 games in the regular season.
4: We're going to win more than half of those games, though.
2: Because they're going to – no, I'm saying – we're still talking about St. John's. because They've got Florida State next – I would be shocked they, if they lost to Florida State. Florida State they will beat Florida fucking State. fucking sucks.
3: They're bad. If they don't beat Florida State, I take back everything I said. You can't. They might lose to Florida State. That's okay. This this podcast is never going to see the light of day. The
2: Yeah. Are we even recording? But <laughs> you were recording.
1: <laughs>
3: Tyler's writing everything down. I'm, I'm going to go on Spaces later and summarize everything. That's, that's what we'll do. Yeah. <laughs> Five minutes you
2: dive back,
0: podcast tribute. Three and a half <laughs> no, hours to talk to the U.S. person. The space is classic.
2: St. John's, according to Ken Palm, when they go to play us in at in stores, they have a 9% chance of winning.
3: <laughs> I thought that game was Hartford. I thought that was one of those men's,
2: women's, whatever, letters. I don't know. Yeah. It just says at UConn. Actually, it says Connecticut. The Royal Stores. Honest. In either so, case, they're going to come to Connecticut and they have a 9% chance of winning. It's just funny seeing a single digit there.
4: You know, I wonder if Ken Palm differentiates between the Excel Center and Gamble because... Little,
3: little Ken Palm I pro don't tip. think it does. If you uh,
5: hover over and click where it says home, it'll show you where the game is taking place. Pro tip.
3: It'll go to Google Maps.
5: It will go to Google Maps.
3: When we I play
2: can- Georgetown at Georgetown... Georgetown has a 6% chance of winning. <laughs> well. They have a 1% chance of beating us
3: at UConn. There, there's a 6% chance of, me, of Georgetown winning. Michael Jordan after that camp. <laughs> there's a 5% chance of there being more Georgetown fans than UConn fans in the building. That's a weekend game.
6: Well, at this point, yeah, <laughs> no one's going to Georgetown. Right.
3: Games. No one's going to Georgetown games to root for Georgetown.
6: They gave away free tickets to anyone in the city.
3: And, and, nobody, nobody, showed either, right. and nobody
2: showed up. <laughs> there were 12 people there, and they, it was like the players' girlfriends.
3: Okay, seriously, it's fun to dunk on Georgetown. <clears throat> but, yep, but can they is. please fire Ewing and get their shit together? Oh, God, right? Like, they don't need to be great, but can they at least... Can they be good enough that I don't count a game at Georgetown as a guaranteed win?
4: Listen, just call Tommy Amaker; it'll be much better for everybody. Just, just, just land it, guys. Just land it.
6: Just—they should give back the 2021 Big East Championship.
3: I agree if that they should give it to UConn. Actually, higher
2: yes. You know what? Oh. Actually, though, that's not the worst idea I've ever heard.
0: Oh, it'd be fun.
2: He would become such a villain. Like we, we have to give him thirteen million dollars to go away, and then he goes to Georgetown. Imagine if he goes and starts winning,
6: uh, or imagine if he keeps losing and gets another thirteen million to yeah. go away from
2: Georgetown. <laughs> what a king! I would that would be it. winning either way. Now you're thinking.
6: Was it like Charlie Weiss? Charlie Weiss was like cashing like twenty five million dollars worth of checks it's, from Notre Dame in Kansas.
3: It's the Matt Rule method.
0: Legend, yeah.
3: Should we uh, talk about the women's team, or are we too depressed?
4: We can talk about yeah. that team. They put up a valiant, a valiant fight against uh, the absolute trolls from Maryland. And I say this because their fans are in my mentions today, being incredibly stupid and annoying.
2: I just—it's so tough to watch them. Like, it's not just that you've got a lot of people hurt; it's that they all play the same position. Like you yeah, can't be no down ball three ball handling guards.
4: You're looking at that bench and seeing like AZ sitting next to Paige, sitting next to Nika, sitting next to Dorka sitting next to ice Brady. And it's like, ugh.
2: that's like a final four lineup sitting in yeah, the bench and
4: kidding me, man. Like, and like, you know, Lou has played great. Uh, like I said, a- Aliyah Edwards did absolutely everything within her power to win that basketball game. Like, Offense she's guarding people on the perimeter. Like my girl did absolutely everything she could to win that game. So I gotta shout to Leah. That's
2: the one um, really nice thing is she's been great all year.
4: She looks like a whole new player this year. And it's so annoying to see you kind of just get like absolutely trounced in the rankings because it's like it's not like these players aren't coming back, you know? And like now NC State, mm-hmm. who we beat, is ahead of us. It just They're still
3: number nine in the country. I like know, it's that, not like they're unranked here.
4: I'm annoyed by it, Russ. I'm yeah,
3: but if we annoyed.
2: played NC State tomorrow. What would happen?
3: I don't know. With who we have available? We would probably lose.
4: Here's the thing. Probably. Though, if, if Lou had not been in foul trouble for nearly the entire game, I think we would have won that game. Yeah, We would have won yesterday and Sunday.
3: That's the third straight women's game I haven't seen a second of, so you're probably correct.
4: I'm always correct. Never doubt. And I have to say against Princeton, um, I, I was watching the Princeton game because I actually missed it because I was... um at a at a work, work event. Uh, but I did watch it because people said Aubrey had a great game, and I was very interested to see Princeton play in general because they had that comeback in the fourth quarter. And what it said to me is that Carla Rui is a great coach because you that pressure... Go. I mean, the way they they put that pressure defense on in the fourth quarter, like, you ha- is throwing out this, like, you know, child point guard, and they were like, they smelled blood in the water, and yeah. they went right for it. And... I'm sure her feelings were very conflicted <laughs> in that situation, but. I
2: don't think they were. I think she was there to, I mean, you're Princeton going to play UConn. You're going to take whatever advantage you can get. I mean,
4: no, I mean, like she said afterwards, she's like, you know, I, I'm proud of them for pulling it out. Cause it's still my, and like, she was, she played on that team. She was playing when that record was start started. She was on that team. Oh yeah. That's how long this record has been going on.
3: What record are we talking about? No consecutive losses. Oh, that's right. She was
4: on the team in 93 when that, that record was started. So like, you know, I'm sure like, to be clear, I am a hundred percent sure that she was absolutely trying to win that game. Like no question about it, but I'm sure the emotions on the inside were like a little weird.
2: Yeah. I got to say she has definitely taken the lead for me for next potential UConn head coach.
4: I mean, the fact that she's done this with no, essentially no ability to truly recruit. Like, she's doing this in an Ivy, and that team is good. Like, And it's not like they're super great athletes on that team, or they have great size, or whatever. It's They're just a really well-coached team, and their defense in particular, I thought, was really good.
2: I would like to see her do it in a real league, but I don't know that we're going to have that kind of
4: time. I mean, she's got a top 25 program in the Ivy, so...
3: I think she would be a great associate head coach to UConn coach Dawn Staley. I
4: was thinking a similar
0: thing, <laughs> Russ.
3: Yeah. Because, like, you know, I know
2: like Shay's the the crowd favorite, but well, she lost 5-6, we'll, we'll lost to SC Upstate, et or no, beat SC Upstate, lost to ETSU, and UT Martin.
4: She also lost two players coming into this season that were pretty important to her squad, so...
3: Listen, if, if Shay gets it together, I... I'm willing to entertain that argument again. But for right now, I think it's Carla Berube leading the way. If they don't want to step outside the family and go for like a Jeff Walls. They should hire Jeff Walls. I I would be be fine with that. Part
2: of me thinks like that's
0: really the the smart move. Mm -hmm. They should not hire someone that's going to be emotionally Mm -hmm. challenging to fire in three or four years. Shout Patrick Ewing. Especially
2: if you don't know if they can do the job. Like that's what's so scary.
3: But, like, Carla has won everywhere she's been. And I know she hasn't been at UConn's level as a head coach. So I get that. But, like, she wrecked shit at Tufts. And then she leaves Tufts, and suddenly, I'm just going to say, NYU went in there and kicked their ass this weekend.
0: Yeah, we were all thinking it.
3: I know. I know. You were all thinking it. Tufts was ranked number 15 in the country. We beat their ass. We should be number one. Continue. That doesn't make sense. You were talking... Go Bobcats! Violets, thank you. So, yeah, we're number if, two in the country. We should be number one.
2: If Shay can, can you know, get some hardware in the SEC, that's a different conversation. But but right now, if we're looking at someone with a Yukon pedigree, it's it's Scarlet for me.
0: Tamika Williams, Tamika Jeter. If May if Williams. she can it's win a- at
3: Dayton, I I would listen to that argument. That's awful. a good one. Last I looked, I think.
4: Yeah, so they've been pretty good. Well, it's, it's, it's year. Her first year so. it's her first
0: year. Nikisha Sales, assistant at Georgia. Go be a head coach.
3: Yeah, but look who her head coach is.
4: Not great. Yeah. Not great.
3: But who's her head coach? The person who was coaching UCF last year. Oh, right. 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 She was at UCF. Correct. She Yeah. I, I don't want the, I don't want that. Bad vibes. Bad vibes
4: but it is wild to like watch that team and i have to say and i have to give credit cuz i've slandered her name in multiple places that amari deberry did play really really well against she yeah, had absolutely. she had the most disrespectful block i have ever seen anybody do in my entire life she just like ruined that girl's whole day um it was actually kind of cool but uh they need what they really need to focus on right now is their perimeter defense uh someone On that squad, whose name might be Aubrey, uh, sometimes loses their switch a lot, and someone ends up wide open on the perimeter. And like against Notre Dame, like you got a Mabry out there on the three point line, wide open because the switches keep getting lost.
3: You gotta find your Mabrys.
4: You gotta find your Mabrys. You gotta find your wide open. And it was they did the same thing against Iowa. Like it happened. Like against Prince, just they have got to get it together. Like you cannot leave these three point shooters. You have to. You have to keep track of your switch, and it's not. It hasn't been going as well, especially when Nika's not on the floor yelling at people,
0: and especially with Aubrey, who essentially needs to like defend for three guard positions out there.
4: <laughs> and it's you know when I think the problem happens when her switch brings her into the post because she she kind of gets lost in the post and doesn't know when to know when to go back out. Like she just kind of stays there when even when the help defense doesn't need to be there anymore. Because when she's out on the perimeter, she's great. She's getting in passing lane, she's doing steals, but like she gets lost in the post sometimes and like forgets to keep rotating.
0: That said, I like definitely the most pleasant surprise is how good she's been this year.
4: Yeah, in fairness, she's the reason we beat Princeton. They would have lost that game if Aubrey had not made yeah. eleven of eleven shots.
1: Or if like the she game lasted that enough.
4: Yeah, 14 fourth quarter turnovers was a big yikes. Another team needs to work on their turnovers.
2: It really but, feels like I I just want to check out from this team until like at least Nika gets back.
4: Well, they're off until Sunday. They have a full week off, so hopefully Nika and Dorka will be back next week. That's that would hope. be nice. So Florida State so on Sunday? Correct. Who is bad? Good. Let's beat them. Would be nice. I wouldn't like that a lot.
2: Just, I know we this isn't really super important, but I just went, as you guys were talking about Dayton women's basketball, I went to see like what you were talking about. They're 0 10. Never bad. They they're were bad. a tournament team last year. They won the A10 last year. What the
3: fuck happened? Didn't they get pantsed in the first four, though? That's not the point. I know. First of all, I don't think that's. But I was just looking at it, and then I'm on a
2: different page now. But they. No, they made the second round and lost by 16. So not that oh, bad. Never they, mind. Beat, they
3: beat the piss out of DePaul. Ah, it was DePaul who got pantsed at the That's hands what you're of thinking of. So yeah. they did they the pantsing. pants They did the pants yeah. I am the one who pantses. Right.
4: Interesting. Okay.
3: Apologies to the pants. Um,
2: so anyway, like, what the fuck happened? Like, how do you go from that to losing every game now? Is she just that bad? <laughs> did they lose
3: everybody? I mean, I
2: don't week. know what the rosters were then or now. I would assume probably some serious turnover.
3: I'm shocked that you don't keep Scroll up down. with Dayton women's basketball. Oh, well, God, Peter. Well, this might be actually the first year that I can ever remember where the A-10 on the women's side is like as strong as it is on the men's side. Because the A-10 men are piss. Yeah, they're bad this year.
0: Yeah, it would have to be. Even though he's is good.
3: Uh, the UMass women are pretty good. Yeah. That's true. Fordham women are okay, I think. Should we schedule UMass in basketball? No.
4: So well, I am yeah. perfectly fine giving UMass <laughs> an early season? UMass-Boston.
5: Oh, if game. I would, I buy, UMass. Buy, yeah, game, that's I would buy UMass. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking UMass. a
4: home and home. I'm talking a buy game in November. Yeah. So we can, you know, have a fun little U weekend. We can. Would a basketball.
2: home and home with UMass actually, like, no. So our
3: fans would drive to Springfield and be fine.
4: Yeah. It either. would
6: be good for the region.
3: It's mostly a bit because we a bit. had a home at home with UMass during our best years when they were dog shit. Yeah. And like I remember 2000, the oh four, oh five season, we went there and lost. Mm-hmm. And we were clearly better. But whatever. I don't care. A home at home with UMass is fine. I just don't want to give their fans the satisfaction of doing it.
0: When they hire <laughs> Kamani in the off season. Well, we right. Can do a home. If they hire Kamani, we could do it.
4: But also, like, what if they, it turns out they get pretty good? Like, they did go out and hire a real coach. So,
3: well, then we'll play them. If they get really good, that's fine. Yeah.
4: They that do you mean to be really good? Just like a top like two hundred team. And there's like, we just no
0: the reason to go to They're UMass. Now. Yeah. Now, right? Of all My, the schools in the country, why go to UMass? Well, it would, like,
4: I, I do do it? it would be fun for the fans. Like, I I do think it would be fun for the fans.
0: Um, UMass fans, but
4: like UConn fans. In this
0: age
3: of twenty-game conference schedules, three-game MTEs, there's not room for a lot of home and homes. No. So, would you rather schedule a home and home with UMass or say Florida, who we have this
4: year? Yeah, I have. I don't care about a home and home. To me, I'm just like we're gonna buy some games. Yeah, I would rather buy a game with UMass than with LIU. Is all I'm gonna
3: give us a buy game? Maybe that would be. Really they would, but it wouldn't be for a lot. We wouldn't give them a lot of money.
4: No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't, but we wouldn't schedule like a return game, I, or, we or we, or we, or we, could even do a like we'll play one at gamble and then no we'll play one at the casino. You know, if we really wanted to. Would
0: you guys do home and home with Boston College?
4: Sure. No. No.
0: Yeah. I don't think I, I would. Boston College. If it's
2: uh, to keep up the football scheduling, if that if that helps, yeah. that's the only reason well, I, I, would,
3: I would. I would do yeah. home with Boston. College and then a game at like the Boston Garden, whatever they call it. TD? TD Garden? TD Garden, yeah. You're going to um, be
2: surprised how fucking empty the TD Garden is when is. I
3: would not College be surprised. I just don't want to give them the satisfaction of playing on their home court. Playing at <laughs> the like
1: yeah. I think it would be
6: extremely Boston funny Boston for, for you Boston again. That was fun. I think it'd be very funny for UConn fans to pack Conte Forum and beat Boston College by 25. It'd
2: be the first time Conte Forum's been packed in a long time. <laughs> what
4: if remember they one, did that? We put form the form. People there? Did I tell you guys about, about my Providence conspiracy theory? It's not real. So last year, both of UConn's games at Providence like were birds. on a weekend. They were both, I want to say, Saturday games. Maybe one was a Sunday. This year, both of UConn's games at Providence are weeknights. And I just think it's suspect. Maybe somebody saw how many of those tickets were being purchased by people with Connecticut addresses, and oh, suddenly it's we got to do it on a weeknight. Can't play UConn on a Saturday. I think I think they're scared to play us because they know we're buying the tickets to their games.
5: My Providence conspiracy theory is that they all contracted the novel coronavirus in order to
3: not play UConn last year. <laughs> I mean, I can't disprove that.
4: So, you know, they saw they saw. Oh, Connecticut's coming. We got to get out of this. It's they, the women's game to the tiny gym because they were scared. All I'm saying is Providence is very scared of us. Did they I, play, tell I you? I got
2: I got texted about the uh, this the arena rant regarding Providence. Who texted you? A guy I used to play lacrosse with in college is a person of note in the providence athletic department i don't want to give too much away but yes but he was like come Whoa. on man <laughs>
4: i'm doing my best absolutely the fuck not
6: i'm not a big conspiracy theory guy but i do believe ed cooley did a lot last year to help providence win all those games including putting holes in the ceiling when they played oh, yeah. xavier during the rain
0: committed
4: i think it's hilarious that i can trigger all of providence fans just by pointing out that we don't hang up conference championship banners because we have too many of them and we have to we only have room for our national we championship have a, we have banners a chart. we have a chart you have a chart we, we have two charts in fact <laughs> we have two charts we have one chart for the men's team and one chart for the women's team and then you've got the regular season and then the tournament championships and they're just listed out and we're running out of room on the chart and then and then on the other wall we have we have the list it's because it's just a list Of our players who've won National Player of the Year. And then you also have the three jerseys that we've retired because those players are in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And just there's no room for silly little conference championships because we've got like, I don't know. 29. Between the men and the women, it's 29?
2: No, the men have 29 regular season conference championships and eight tournament championships.
4: And the women have... So I don't have that in many. front
2: of me, but it's a lot—six hundred fucking lot.
4: <laughs> we just have to be like running clothes lines back and forth across Gamble, and we just decided that was too much. It was messy. It was sloppy, so we just hang up our national championship banners. And Providence fans get very upset when you tell them that, and just a little tip for uh, everybody. G-
2: Gino specifically has a total between regular <laughs> season and conference. <laughs> Fifty-four conference
4: titles.
2: <laughs> He's got twenty-seven regular season and twenty-seven tournament.
4: Imagine trying to hang up all of those. Band- twenty-seven
2: regular season and 20. they They're se- <laughs> just walls. It's they're all hanging all up the ceiling.
4: The it's all. That's actually what the new ceiling of Gamble is going to be. It's just going to be
2: all the conference championships. <laughs> So it's crazy because I'm like, the men have won 37 total conference championships. Which is a lot. That's, That's a lot. lot. So, so and if that includes all the Yankee conference ones from back in the day. We won a lot of those.
6: So I just did some quick math. math. Gino's 68. He's won 57 conference championships. If he coaches for another 11 years, which he won't, but, he, but if he wins the regular season and tournament in those 11 years, he'll have more conference titles than his actual age.
0: Conference and then
3: he, he will ascend age. to another level. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but
4: if he goes just for
0: another 30 years.
3: That'll be another 11 Final Four losses that
0: he's.
4: has. Rush, <laughs> Rush, I will slap you in your face.
0: <laughs> Rush is that always saying Gino's washed. Does that no, mean no, that... Me too.
4: Honestly, <laughs> the coaching job that Gino did against... Uh, Maryland was honestly one of the most impressive coaching jobs I've ever seen. Like
3: honestly, I really feel like people forget how good of a coach Gino actually is.
4: He, I mean, after what he did last year, like you literally had no idea from from one moment to the next who's going to be available, and he they still made it to the national yeah. championship. Like,
3: turn the TV off, Mitch. This is more important.
4: But yeah, uh, Gino absolutely out coached. Uh, What's your name? I want to I wasn't. I wasn't even going to dignify this podcast. Dignify her name by saying it on this podcast. You can't dignify this bed.
3: podcast. She blamed, she blamed her injuries.
4: I, did you hear that both teams had, team had injuries, ma'am? You are missing two freshmen who played a total of like eleven minutes this season. I will hear none of this. We, have mi- we are
2: missing a former national player of the year and a current national player of the year candidate.
4: I mean, we're listening among we're others a starting lineup that could go to a national championship game. Yes. And the way that they were celebrating, like they won the national championship, embarrassing.
3: You should. It was be, adorable. actually. You should be I thought it was so
4: embarrassed to be celebrating losing to UConn's B slash C squad like that. Like, ew. It's yeah, not, but the,
6: casu- the casuals don't realize that. It's
4: not a good look.
2: I'm looking at Gino's accomplishments and honors here, and you get when you get to the Final Four, it's just so funny because it's like 1991, 1995, 1996, 2000 to 2004. 2008 to 2022. Like you look at most teams and it's like, you know, there's like five numbers. If they're good, 2008 to
4: 2022. That's ridiculous.
0: Since we're Four talking persons. about conspiracy theories, is this the point where I should say that I think Paige plays this year?
4: Oh, I, people are saying this. I don't think it's going to happen, it, but she's way too agile getting, in
3: these Nerf videos. It's getting more steam here. And yeah, like, videos concern me. Wait, uh, is Larry, I think Larry kind of hinted at it today. Oh, a few yeah.
2: people
4: have been. Have She's
2: been, gonna come back, and Azi's gonna come back, and they're gonna win the championship.
4: Well, I A-Z mean, they'll have to make that a movie if that does happen. Like, someone get Hollywood on the phone. I'm sure Gino's got an agent. Gino, like, call call your guy.
0: Paige will play herself.
4: Obviously, because who else could?
0: No one. Kind right. of rain. Nobody. Yeah, like ten percent.
2: If they try to fucking get Anya Taylor Joy, I'll be so pissed.
4: <laughs> she could never she, she's she got like one tenth of pages swag
0: you know what i appreciate about the women's team too uh morgan valley on the bench kind of like uh
4: page for jumping
0: I, I feel like she's kind of like a, a character in a movie that just gives you like the exposition like you just <laughs> see her on the like chris daly got really mad at like a uh, out of bounds call that was right in front of the bench and you could just see morgan valley like hold her up and go that was out on us. Like it's like, she's providing the narration for the game to uh, everyone else.
4: It is wild to have two former head coaches and the greatest associate head coach of all time uh, on our bench. Like that talking about the best coaching staff in America. It's it's that one.
0: Again, I have no idea who else would be in the conversation yet. I'm willing to accept that as absolute fact.
4: Also, Jamel Elliott's cardigan game has been immaculate, just impeccable. I need to see her wardrobe. She's had like three or four like awesome cardigans this season, and I want all of them. Like one had like a little elbow, you know, patch situation. It was very cool. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm Professorial,
4: Very, very much so.
0: It's still very hard for me to square the uh, player image of Jamel as a lunatic.
4: Absolute nuts. Did With I tell you guys about uh, the Jen Rosati interview that I heard? No. She was. Uh, they were just doing one of those, like you know, local ESPN, and they were talking <laughs> to her. And the first, the first. They uh got qu- it out loud, Chris. I was just. I was just saying.
6: Was just saying uh, uh, Gino has not missed a final four between Avatar movies.
0: Right. <laughs> That's insane. Let that sink in, everybody. That's how we measure time. I'm sorry, Megan. Jen Rosati interview.
4: So they were The first thing they were asking her was about the Nika Mule cop and how everyone says she plays like Nika Mule. And she was like, that is absolutely correct. Uh, and how, like, flattered she is by it. And she talked about, like, the intensity. And and she also talked to you about how, like, she was kind of foul prone as a freshman. And she learned not to make those fouls. And Nika's done the same thing. But she cited, like, her and Jamel and Nika as, like, the most intense players who've ever come through UConn. And I'm like, yeah, that probably checks out. Probably does. It's
2: Stacey Hansmeyer.
4: Maybe, like, DT, and, like, that's it. That's the list. But, like, those three all had the, like, I will absolutely murder you to win this basketball game vibes. Yeah,
0: Ayanna needs to be in there. She's a psycho.
4: I love Ayanna. What about Sue? Sue wasn't quite as as murdery when she was on the team, Diana was more murdery.
0: She was a I mean, killer, but not a psycho.
4: Right. She was, she was more like a, like assassin than, you know, the like insane. I like, don't CLP. think
2: assassin gets it for DT. Cause I think she's, no,
4: no. She no was she the, assassin.
2: Come, oh, yeah. I see. No, DT, DT was DT. Yeah. DT was DT a terrorist. It was a, there was a, was a all alarm- for terror.
4: DT. Yeah. Yeah, DT's like car bomb. I
0: feel like we're we're edging into need to edit the pod territory. Let's yeah. change the subject. Let's move
4: along. Let's move along. But anyway, it was really fun to hear her be like, "Oh yeah, no, I absolutely get it," and and I'm flattered, but also you're right.
0: Nika's crazy. I love like,
4: Nika
0: so much. She, I, I feel like next year she's gonna shoot like forty percent from three. It's like the next the next thing
4: her having four consecutive double digit assist games when it appears that no one in in the history of records that are currently kept has ever had a four double digit assist game season like nobody's done it four times in a season she did it four games in a row
2: it's a very wild way to play she's kind of you know she's kind of like the women's teams version of Andre Jackson in a lot is. of ways Like, obviously, they get there in different ways, but, like, I don't really need to score a lot of points, but I'm still, like, controlling this game.
4: Uh, Impeccable passers and great defenders and extremely intense.
2: And leaders.
4: And leaders. And raise the intensity of everyone else on. Like, the whole team plays better when Andre's on the court and the whole team plays better when Nika's on the court.
0: I also kind of feel like both of them, like, leaned into their natural identities and then, like got even better at those things. Like, I don't think Nika was like a well or like a superbly trained defender last year. I think she had great instincts, was fast and was, and was very like, aggressive ruthless, and would just get on everyone and take the ball. And then it feels like now this year, like it almost feels like she really enjoyed the reputation as being a tough defender and then went home all off season and worked on it. So now she's like, All of that, but always in the right place at the right time. She looks like way stronger. Like She looks like she's Mm. now been trained to do the things she was already naturally superb at. And I feel like the same is kind of true of Andre. Similar vibe. Where it's like, you know, he kind of embraced the fact that like, "Eh, I'm probably not a 18 point game scorer, even though that might have been what was sort of expected based off my recruiting profile. So I'm going to be the best defender, the best rebounder, and the best passer on the court at all times. And like, you could tell he's prepared that way the entire off season.
2: I can't remember. And I, I, I wish that I could find these stats for the other games, but I remember there was the one game he played where we won by like 36. He played 19 minutes and scored four points and he was a plus 33 in the game. So in the 19 minutes he was on the court, we outplayed them by 33 points. In the 21 minutes he was off the court, we outplayed them by three points.
0: Now, I'll say the team still looked pretty good with Andre out because they have five guards. UConn, especially in the end of that Princeton game, looked like they could physically not bring the ball up the court without Nika, making her a level of uh, inexpendable that I don't think anyone on the men's team has.
2: Yeah, I would say he's the closest, though. He's the one guy I would really not want to try to see his play without.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: But yeah, obviously, once, you know, without Paige and Az, AZR, you know, both of them already gone, then losing Nika, there was no way that that team was going to be able to function. Like, Betancourt, you know, good effort, but like, she's just, her. she's not ready, not even close, and was never supposed to be. This wasn't supposed to happen.
0: I don't think she knew where Connecticut was up until like nine weeks ago. Good thing we got her though. Yeah, it
4: was been really it. Yeah. otherwise.
2: Otherwise, was we it a would have mistake to, to not walk ons? Like yeah, I, I mean, is he using all the scholarships? No. Okay, These he's using more than usual.
0: Today. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, this was like supposed to be the deep team. The fact that he
2: even, in, without, you know, in desperate straight still generally doesn't play Patterson as a problem. I know she played more
3: in the last game, but
0: yeah, she got good burn last yeah, game.
3: I'm I'm a little concerned about that.
0: She looks so raw to me. It's pretty Wait. raw to still look.
3: Isn't she a junior? Patterson? Oh, no, Patterson's French. Never mind. I was thinking to Barry.
2: Oh, yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. She's I was talking, thinking DeBerry talking about oh, you're talking to Barry, too. I oh, thought yeah.
3: you were talking to Barry.
4: All right. Well, no, Patterson, yeah.
2: Patterson actually has looked decent. I like Patterson.
4: She's had some really nice moments. And in yes, last she game. does look
0: raw. She looked a lot better against Maryland, I thought. Like that was, she looked pretty good at for a she long did. time in that stretch. And the part of me wonders too, like knowing, I don't know, to Barry a little bit less so, but like knowing you're far down the depth chart, I just feel like she plays a, like a little more frenetic than she needs to. You know, she'll figure it out. It's kind of like the opposite of what we were saying with Klingon, where like he knows how to just be big and not do too much. I feel like she does a lot. Yeah. She's figuring out what works in college still after being like an unstoppable athlete probably her entire life. DeBerry, I have no idea what to make of. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't
2: think she has the game sense. Like, just. I mean, you know, when we talk about somebody who looks, who like gets lost on defense or just does like something phenomenally stupid when the ball gets to her, I just, you know, it's tough to see like growing out of that level of of rawness. And, and to not really have made any serious progress to this point. Like, I, you needed to see a jump from last year to this year. And I've seen essentially nothing. It, uh, not even a bump.
3: It, it might be time to decide that she's not good.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, <clears throat> there's room for a player like her on the roster to be not that good if you have, you know, uh, Brady and Patterson and Dorka and Edwards all performing to a reasonable standard. Like, she could be Richie Springs. That's fine. But I'm 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 with you guys. I'm like, I'm done hoping for kind of more than that at this point, I think, until yeah. proven otherwise. Especially when Paige comes back and starts eating more minutes. Yeah. Paige will be back in two or three weeks. They're going to want to ease her into, you know, ball handling duties so she can play the five for a while.
3: Well, that's fine. Honestly, that, that is fine. She could do that.
0: If we never really get to see like Great Page and Great AZ together, I'm going to be...
3: I'm going to cry. That's that'll one just like, be a very you know,
0: disappointing. That'll be one of like my great UConn regrets right up there with never seeing Quentin Williams get off like a real dunk and a fast <laughs> break. <laughs> that's really Two all I want. things
3: that are definitely equal.
0: Or like, Yeah.
3: Man, just one. No, but I, I agree. And Megan, I think we were talking about this when we were at the NC State game. Like if they're healthy, Paige and AZ as a duo have That's the best like, backward in the country. They they have like Sue and Diana potential as far as likability.
4: Hundred percent. And performance.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say.
4: AZ looked unreal. She was uh, like, that's the part that kills me. She was having such an incredible season. Like if anything, her shot looked even better this year, which, it,
3: which should she, not be possible,
4: should not be possible. But it, I think it was actually getting out of her hand quicker than it was last year, which is crazy. Cause it was already like the quickest release I've ever seen. And it's just so such a bummer. Cause she was having just such an incredible, I mean, she, not that, like she won't, but make like, man, what a huge bummer.
0: So how long is she out? Three I'm to six longer. weeks. Three to six. So she'll still be back before Paige, you know, by a few days.
3: Yeah, not not by much. She'll be back by the time Paige starts practicing.
2: Yeah. It's nice to have good shooters on both teams.
1: Yeah.
2: I was just thinking about how, like, watching Hawkins shoot and Calcutta shoot, like, oh, man, I remember having, like, multiple good shooters when he had, like, Ben Gordon and Rashad Anderson on the same team. All right, should we talk football a little, a little bit?
0: We should talk football. <clears throat> Let's talk football. Chris Let's talk football.
4: Because the good. UCon- our, our football
0: writer, Chris Lucas, laugh. <laughs> left. might be true, just yeah. chronologically.
4: Yeah. Are Our UConn football Huskies are going bowling. And guys, uh, I know we talked about this, and not a one of us thought there was a chance in hell we were going to even win five games this nope. year.
2: Yeah, we were making fun of all of you people out on Twitter who thought they might win five games.
0: We're like, so these you people can are deranged. On all of us. They Absolutely didn't bet the under on two and a half wins. I was in the minority okay. thing saying, like, I, bet I think the they won three games.
3: I, I was with you, and I made several dollars. CCSU, U.S., well, Florida International, yep. I thought
2: those three should be wins. If we win I anything other go. than that, I'll be fucking thrilled. I made
4: dollars. And then, and then we then, beat Liberty and Li- Boston College, which was just like. And, and
2: Mountain and Fresno West Fresno champions, State. Fresno State.
4: But, like, more importantly, like, if there were two teams on the schedule that I, like, just wanted to get W's against, it's those motherfuckers from Boston, those sanctimonious assholes, and the worst human beings on the planet. Like, normally when I hate another team, there's because we have, like, a long, like, Boston College, because they're the worst, and we've been playing them for a long time, so we know they're the worst. But with Liberty, we don't even really know them that well, and we already know they're the worst people on the planet. Because yeah, they're they deserve- Liberty. They deserve nothing you, good. Go you Nazi have to University. beat
3: the fucking Nazis, the fucking assholes who will not account for their whereabouts on January 6th, and also you have to beat Liberty. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, those, I'm pretty sure that's three of the same things.
5: <laughs> I mean, I, I know we he went was joking that Boston College also it, it's that, about that, that was well. the yes, joke. Be,
3: They're we, Nazis, we got, yeah. We got the joke. Yeah
5: um i i know uh that we went over this on each of our weekly uh podcasts that we did after every football game but yeah the boston college win is probably my favorite uconn sporting event like non-national championship of the last 10 years because it was a game that was close because neither team could score because they're both bad teams but it was it was clear that boston college couldn't score more mm-hmm. and so at a certain point it was just like like holding your, your little kid like by the hand or like by the head, like just pushing them away and they're trying to get to you and they're struggling and it's, it's so the most their arms are like winding up, like exactly
4: like a windmill. Did, did you guys know that Boston college like briefly was recruiting Jackson Mitchell and then we're like, mm, cause he had like a bad 40 time or something and just like no doubt on him. And then Jackson oh. absolutely ate their lunch that game. So that was pretty fun for me.
3: I, I would, Mitchum, I was trying to explain UConn football to my lady friend, and I said, what'd you say? Who is very cool and nice. Yeah, she is cool and nice. I I like her a lot. Yeah, I I told her, like, over the last 10 years, we've been dog shit. And now UConn is still bad, but they're the best of the bad teams. And that's, like, kind of cool.
4: I don't even think they're bad. Like, they're
3: they're kind We're of okay. Bad. I mean, they're not good. Good. They're kind of bad. They're, decent. they're not good. They're below average. They're the best of the bad teams. If we play a bad team, I'm confident now that we'll beat them. If We play a good team. I'm not.
4: And the thing that's crazy is, well, I guess it's two things that are extremely crazy about this season. One, everyone turned into mashed potatoes. And then two, we managed to get a tremendous amount of production out of true freshmen between Zion Turner, Victor Rosa, and Justin Jolie, who was like Mr. Third Down on this team, I love that kid so much. He would get right to that, that mar- the, the, the the marker and like turn around and catch the ball. He's like, I know where I need to go. I know where this ball needs to go. I'm gonna get it there.
2: He also made some big plays. He did. They they found a lot of interesting ways to use him and to use Turner, Aaron Turner. Yep. You know, after all the receivers get hurt, they got a lot of production. You know, I'll be interested to see how much how the the offense develops next year, assuming everyone's healthy. You know, and assuming problems. you know
5: transfers and all
4: that. Yeah, we are losing Nate Carter, which is a bummer. But you know, good for him, I guess.
5: Just
0: bring in better players. You, get you know, one good, thing. Then I... you other teams good players though.
4: That's true. I I feel like I saw a lot of people sort of getting on Charlton for having a relatively, you know, uh, unadventurous playbook, but I actually have a very different take on that. And I think it's because he knew exactly what his personnel could do. And he put them in situations where they could succeed instead of putting them in situations where they were going to fail. And I know people were like, oh, just air it out. But like, he wasn't making those throws at the beginning of the season. He was making them at the end of the season and they were calling those plays at the end of the season. But I felt like it was a very deliberate buildup of the playbook and of the plays they were calling from, you know, a very conservative playbook to a, I mean, with that silly, I, I will admit I loved the silly two QB uh, <laughs> look. That was a lot of fun. But in general, I thought you saw the playbook expand over the course of the season and become less conservative as the players got more confident and better instead of just like throwing them in the deep end and being like, well, you'll lose room or you won't.
2: I'll also note that on a, most of those big plays we ultimately made in the air, you'll notice we've got guys one-on-one against corners, against nickel corners, you know, with, with the, the 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 safeties out of the way because people are expecting the run. And so, yeah, you know, you make some of those plays, but you're, all of that's built around the
4: run game. And the run game is incredibly good this year. Like... <clears throat> I mean, we talked a little bit about Victorosa, and I was so impressed with him from game to game. Like, what a tough kid. Ended up leading the team in touchdowns by the end of the season, which, like, he was supposed to start the season, like, the fourth running back in special teams, and he ended up being, you know, the go-to guy, and he was incredibly productive. Again, for an 18-year-old that just graduated from Bristol Central High School and didn't get to play his junior year, because that was his COVID year.
2: I wasn't expecting to see him play, I, you know, because he he was supposed to be behind Carter, Burns, Bruton, and Houston. And, you know, maybe he does some kick returns or something, but, you know, he was a guy, like, when you look at the depth chart, you're like, ah, maybe a slot receiver, I don't know, we'll figure something out. And he ends up running for nine touchdowns.
4: And there were a whole bunch of those runs where you're like, oh, that's the tackle. And nope, he's spinning, he's moving, he's he's a sneaky little guy. I he's, enjoyed watching him play a lot of football a lot this season.
5: He's a tough runner. I, I don't think he can be your number one running back, but as a change of pace guy, I like him a lot.
2: I mean, I don't think we really are gonna run with a conventional like and we don't have an every down back that he rotates right. through guys. So you need to have three or four guys who can do it. I mean Did Rosa ever get 20 carries in a game? I don't think so. Most was 17 a couple of times. The game he had 111 yards, he had 12 carries. That was against Army. So, like, yeah, you know, you, you, you keep changing up the look and then you break some plays and that's how you get chunks of yardage. And then you go and you play good defense and, you know, it's not like they have a tough schedule next year if they come back and they're better. You could be looking at I don't know, eight wins.
0: That'd be cool. That certainly, would be cool. Certainly possible. I think it's likely nine. Nine wins. It's a number. But as I
2: look at this, as I look at the schedule for next year, Duke, no, Georgia State, sure, FIU, yes. NC State, probably not. Utah State, sure. Rice, yes. USF, yes. Boston College, yes. Tennessee, no. James Madison, probably not. But, hey, you never know. I look at that game like I looked at the Liberty game this year.
3: Would it be a disappointment if this team does not go to a bowl game next year? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You do it once and then you don't do it the next year when we
2: should, in theory, be better.
3: Yeah, I I like that that's the standard. I like that. My... Thought has always been this program should be good enough to go to a bowl game most years, and that would be enough for the fan base.
2: I see eight games on there. We
5: could win without raising any
3: eyebrows. Well, that's us so win that's, six or seven of them.
5: That's the big thing with the independent. Like you can schedule yourself a bowl. Like the metrics have us around like the hundred, hundred tenth best team in the country. Which SRS says is at ninety three. Yeah, so maybe a little bit higher than that, but that's that's still not good, but. You can schedule 30 of those 40 teams, you know, who are worse than you and pick up six wins out of it. And then maybe you steal one from like the 60 to 90 range, which we sold a couple of those this year. So there's, yeah, I mean, there's no reason as long as our situation is what it is. And Mora can hit the transfer portal and continue to like find guys from everywhere and not, you know, have a bowl game as an expectation every single year. Will they win the
3: bowl game? (laughs) I don't give a shit if they win the bowl game. I would like to win it. I'd like to win a bowl game. I mean, I'd like to win it, but our bowl game's at like two in the afternoon next week during a weekday. Like, I'll be half watching that and half doing my job. I more care that they're there. Yes, it
2: it is more important to me that they made a bowl game than it is. I mean, I guess it's tough to say
3: you want them to win the bowl game but not go. That doesn't really make sense. Of course you want them to win the bowl game. The good part about winning the bowl game is you get to hang a banner for it, and I'm all for hanging banners.
2: Yeah. I want banners, and I want trophies.
1: Yeah. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And it'll be tough to get a trophy in football without a
3: conference, unless...
4: Unless... Excuse me, we are the kings of New England. Just never forget.
3: Make a trophy out of the UMass game. I'm Uh, I'm just saying... I'm fine I with that. this this talk about football only
2: conferences. This was a thing that we had been discussing.
3: That David Benedict is kind Winking of perpetuating at, here. Yeah. Dave
5: may bring consider, back the Yankee conference. Dave may consider logging off. Just
3: Dave might probably
2: should log off. He should, but I could not. This would be much. cool
4: course coming from this group who's never logged off ever at any point we are like sitting in our glass houses throwing stones
5: that's fine I'm I'm willing to log off if I make David
0: Benedict's salary <laughs> alright okay audience audience these guys like you um uh, still mm. on the fence mm. so maybe another pod down the road thanks to our sponsors uh, Kevin Meacham who funded <laughs> this and has graciously offered to edit it
4: there's no editing.
0: I will never edit the pod.
4: <laughs>
0: call Russ. All right, everybody. Later. Russ is going to go call a tip line searching into details of the murder of the yeah. comedian Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us are going to go to sleep. See ya. Bye. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. Is it over, Russ? We have to call Blaney. <laughs> we we call to. It's Blaney. a tradition. We call Blaney every podcast. every podcast, and then he calls me back at ten thirty, being like, "What the fuck did you want?" <laughs>
2: I feel really. It deaf. is. It Blaney. is. That was
0: I should, We should not have done that. Yeah. No.